0: I tell you what, they, they were perfect. If, if the only problem was, if you're trying to watch a bit of blue, they were really fucking noisy when you're recording the video.
1: Today, on the Unconventional Podcast, I sit down with Chris Williams. Chris is someone that I met uh, probably about three years ago uh, when I first came onto LinkedIn. He was one of the very first people that kind of took me under his wing, but didn't actually know he was taking me under his wing. I was following him and his antics on LinkedIn. Um, Chris is a digital growth mentor. Uh, recently evolved over the last couple of, maybe a year or so, maybe a bit longer than that, uh, into the world of mentoring, not just on social media, but marketing and business in general. He's someone that makes me laugh on a daily basis uh, with his content on social media, um, and I think you'll find he's probably going to make us all laugh over the next hour as well. Hello, Chris. Hello, mate. You I'm good. welcome to the uh, to the unconventional podcast. finally, I've got you on. I actually uh, i'm gonna let you take over in a minute because I know that once I do, I'm probably not gonna have to do any talking at all um i uh, i the the second I changed this podcast from neurodiverse focused to inclusion focused, I wanted you on in fact, having you on was actually one of the motivators to change it,
0: okay. Yeah, you take that as as a as a proper bookcase and uh, and
1: and wear it. Yeah, I I, I would. Um, so for those that are listening and will be listening that don't know you, just give us a little snapshot because as I said before, we came on air for the first time in in ever. I've actually written some questions, and as you said, maybe that is to keep it
0: <laughs> keep it on track. Well, we can try, can't we? Does it, just you can, you're yeah. Doesn't mean I'm going to answer them. But, you know, no, well, that's true. Go. Um. Who am I? Um, I? I'm Chris. I'm a newly 40, last week, um, bloke from the Midlands, live just outside of, of, of a theme park, Drayton Manor theme park. We live in the village next to it. Um, and I help businesses, um, I suppose, make the next step, take the, the next decision. And that, that could be, And when I say businesses, that could be one man bands to, to multinationals but to, to, to be in the right position to be able to make the next step of whatever that may be. Um, the title, if, I'm not a fan of titles, but we call it digital growth mentor, I suppose is what I do, because we do focus primarily on, on the digital side of stuff. Um, and that, that's, that's me in a nutshell, really. I wanna, at
1: some point during the next hour, we're going to touch on stuff that I think is hugely relevant to this podcast, and and probably the main reason why I I did want to get you on. But I think before we do that, you've you've recently kind of almost pivoted slightly away from perhaps what I've always known you for on LinkedIn, and 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 I guess what has inspired me so much over the last three years, um, and and now you've kind of slightly slightly. Tweaked that and kind of gone in a direction that you feel is, is something you need to do. Talk to us a little bit about your history. So, because I want to kind of build up to, to where we're going with this. So, talk to us a little bit about school. Because, yeah, what I know of you, I imagine school was quite eventful.
0: School was fun. Um, I, I, I genuinely miss being at school. Uh, I, I wasn't the most um education minded um i i was i probably i was i was the lovable rogue um the one that would dick around but do it in a way that was cheeky rather than than anything else um i did enough to get through school never really applied myself too much um and and yeah school school was fun i, I went to a, a, a where i lived at the time in blidworth which was a pit village um it was three local villages that all amalgamated their kids to go to the comprehensive school um and, and rugby was one of the, the the main sports that we played and that's that's where i started playing rugby and 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 found my love for for being a dick i guess never changed since then
1: <laughs> well that's kind of what i was thinking when you said that the, the whole lovable rogue thing you, you you did it in a way that perhaps people found endearing. Uh, my son's a lot like that. My youngest son, who's six, he can be a right little fucker, if I'm honest. Um, but he does it in a way that you can't not love him. He's just got that face.
0: My, my son's exactly the same. He's eight and he's, he's, a, he's a class A dick, 24-7. Mm-hmm. But I'll go to bed and I'm like, I can't believe I shouted at him today. I'll be cut up that I shouted at him for him being, for me, naughty. Mm. But because he does it in a way that, that there's always a little cheeky grin at the end of it, something like that, he knows what he's doing. And mm. I now know what my parents went through. <laughs> did, did, you, <laughs> did
1: you ever, when you were at school, and again, bearing in mind, I guess, some of the things you talk about now within social media, do you ever look back on school and kind of pick out uh times where it was quite difficult and and you maybe you struggled more than you perhaps gave yourself or, or even knew you were struggling
0: um looking back and and with the the ability or with, with the, the is it hindsight we call mm. it yeah with hindsight in mind um i i struggled mentally big time at school i didn't think it at the time um mm. but it's only looking back and, and going through various dark stages of my life since then that i realized actually school as enjoyable as it was it's very lonely because mm. i i was the, i was i was the kid that was literally friends with everybody yet nobody was my friend if that made sense mm. i was just the you know i had maybe two best friends over the period of my entire school sort of journey um but they they you know soon as soon as I got to 16 and we all did our separate thing. Not been in contact with them since. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but looking back at it, it was, it was quite actually quite sad.
2: Mm.
0: And that, that's something that I'm incredibly mindful of with, with Zach now mm. is that while he does play the dick, he, he is, now thankfully, he's incredibly smart. He's a lot smarter than I am. Um, so, he's got the educational side of me and he's also got a, a ridiculous amount of empathy. I've never known a child to have so much empathy, which is nice because he sees the best in everybody and feels upset when anybody else is upset. Mm. And it's lovely to see that he's got those. I was never privileged to have the relationships that would call, that would give me that much empathy, so to speak, as a kid. So somehow I'm doing something right with him. Probably down to his mom, to be honest.
2: But there we go.
1: <laughs> I always say that. I always say that, especially when they're being really little shits. I then... Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's not ours he's yours <laughs> do, do you see where i mean when we were at school because you're a couple of years younger than me um that's where people may often uh, it'll be interesting
0: to see what people think of that really uh only a couple um i mean i, I had a paper round and a milk round so i i, I had a proper stress as, as a kid so the fact that you look look at least 10 years older than me is quite pleasing <laughs> <laughs> and what because of the gray <laughs> i'm probably not doing myself any favors wearing
1: gray hoodie either to be honest i'm happy to have gray hair as long as i've still got hair yeah i don't want to be bald
0: yeah my, uh the, all all through our bloodline we've never been no, no one's ever been bald so yeah this thickness is going to be there for, for some time to come you hope Hopefully. Yeah. You could be the exception, Chris. It would not surprise me.
1: Going back to, I guess, what you've kind of now realised about your schooling and then now what you say about Zach and, and him in school, even at, at such a young age, you see things in him that you never really saw in yourself. What? How much has the school system changed? And, and bearing in mind everything they have to deal with now as kids. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there is a certain amount of mental resilience now that has to be built up within children to kind of just deal with it?
2: A
0: hundred percent. I say that. I think it, it's no secret that that society deems that kids of today are more woke. They're 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 more pissy. They get affected by stuff more. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, Well, now the names are hurting as well. Mm. Um, and I, I dare say that's that's probably not because it's certainly no fault of our kids that this is a perception that we've got. When you and I were at school, you know, we're, we're, we're of the same generation that, that how, you know, you probably got something thrown at you by a teacher.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you'd, you'd have been yelled at and shouted at, and maybe even, you know, had, had a teacher breathe into your face as they're telling you off. You can't do that nowadays. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing that that's been removed. So we, we, we grew up, Rightly or wrongly, having a different way in which we were treated, which and, and there'll be countless people out there saying, "Oh, they were the good old days," you know, you you, you know, bring back the cane and all that crap. Um, which I, I I think to answer your question, kids have got far much and far more to contend with.
2: Mm.
0: It wasn't just a case of, of having to worry about um, whether the the big kids are going to knock you knock you out on the on the school bus nowadays. Mm. Nowadays, it's the WhatsApp messages calling you fat or you're, like, you're a little prick or something like yeah. that. It's, there's so much more happening.
2: There's
0: mm. so much more resilience required to deal with that that, yes, it is going to divide kids to be in, in what, a class as being stronger to deal with that and, and not as strong to deal with that. Mm. And that's where you do get, you know, society saying, oh, we've got pissy kids nowadays. Actually, they're just trying to conform to, to an environment that is, mm. is far more dangerous, so to speak than than
1: it ever was for us i guess and this this will lead on to something else that we'll talk about later on but whenever someone says to me um it was better uh years ago because kids built up a mental resilience whereas now they're protected by everyone and everything around them my my challenge to that is but then when you look at um for example and i'll pick this topic. The suicide rate in men of around our sort of age and maybe slightly younger, I question how much of that stems from childhood uh, influences and 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 experiences that were just never dealt with and never spoken about because it wasn't a thing to speak about them thirty years ago.
2: Yeah,
0: I think you mentioned it right at the start. The mental resilience of, of, of our generation back then wasn't because we were better prepared it was that it wasn't discussed mm. our mental resilience was should up get on with it man up that's not mental resilience that's mm. that's avoidance and and thus you're seeing you know through through not just actually not just our generation but certainly you know people that have experienced trauma in 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 childhood age groups are far more likely to experience trauma throughout their, their growing life. Um, the, the suicide rate of, of, of men and, and, and women. We're seeing younger and younger people committing suicide um, because of a, not a lack of resilience, but um, an abundance of opportunity to attack
2: mm.
0: and be attacked. There's, there's, far too much, um, there's far too many avenues in which if you, if you want to abuse somebody, you can do it 150 ways nowadays. Back then, you either had to write them a letter
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: or, or, you know, cut out letters in, in, the, in the newspaper or meet them on the bus. And it was, you know, was very little, you know, you, you wasn't going to go and spend 10p into to the phone box and pick up the phone to, to call somebody a twat, were you? No. So the opportunity to to um, be abusive wasn't as rife as it is nowadays. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that has a massive impact on on the mental fortitude of of people and again not just our kids nowadays we're at an angle now where you know a a lot of suicide is in in men is attributed to debt Mm. we're at a position now where we can get into debt incredibly easily ridiculously easily 20 30 years ago you had to see a bank manager if you wanted a loan Mm. nowadays you can do it in five or six clicks of your mobile phone. So the ability to get to that darker space has been amplified, has been, is, is, is greater now than it ever has been. And mm-hmm. that's only ever going to get worse or better if, if, you, if you follow the trend. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's solely a generational thing. I think it's maybe a societal mm. um, condition that needs addressing.
2: Mm.
1: If I kind of fast forward a few years to – because I've only ever known you as a business owner. Obviously, I, when I came onto LinkedIn in 2019, you were one of the first people that um, caught my eye, probably because you were doing a video in your pants or or something, with with socks, even though you claim there was never any socks. Uh, <laughs> rugby socks. <laughs> They're not even cut downs, they were full-on rugby socks. <laughs> yeah, so I've only ever known you as a business owner, but I'm imagining that, from school, you mentioned earlier when you got to 16, people go and do their separate things. From school, there was employment of some description.
0: Well, the, the, at 16, so I, we we had, um, I'm not going to do the Yorkshireman sketch, but we didn't have two pennies to rub together as yeah. growing up. So I, I left school at 16. Um, and on the onus that I would find a job, went to college in Nottingham. So we lived in Bligworth. Nottingham's about 12 miles away, um, our local town. Um, and it was while I was doing a, and this, this is how, um, how lackadaisy I took my education. Um, I went to Clarendon college, which is where my dad used to go when he, when he was at college, it was a music college, a music and drama college. And I went to Clarendon college to do a tech in performing arts because that's where all the fit birds were.
1: <laughs> that makes so much sense now.
0: Um, so yeah I, I, did, I did that while I was at college um, I got scouted for Nottingham Rugby Club um, and I, uh, I cleaned pots cleaned pans and, and worked in kitchens for a couple of years while I was doing that and, and started playing rugby as well or started playing rugby at, 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 a, at a, a, a much serious level than, than it was before yeah. Um, but yeah so my, my, my first paid job was as a 16 year old working uh, oh no I got a paper round and I had a milk yeah. round. I was being serious when I had a milk round. Travis was the guy who I used to do milk round with. Um, my first paid job other than that was working at JJB, the uh, sports shop. Mm. Um, and I was in charge of selling the the, the, the trainer cleaner thing, you know, that that, that like the crepe spray stuff. Yeah. That was, if, if I managed to sell a certain amount of them, then I, I got a decent wage packet of, Something like 40 quid a month, 40 quid a week. That's good. Winning.
1: Uh, It's funny, uh, we both started in sales. uh, 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 You know, um, I imagine you were quite good at that. Oh, shit at it.
0: I hated it. I absolutely hated it. (laughs) I I would, uh, in fact, one uh, one week I was uh, two crepe sprays off getting my bonus, so I brought them. (laughs) <laughs> Which meant that I got like uh, I think I think it was something like eight quid each, so I actually got less by buying them <laughs> as my bonus than uh, than I did actually as, as as if I did not hit the bonus. So.
1: Eight pound each—that seems like a lot for a little bit of spray.
0: A little bit, exactly. It's absolute, and and trainers were crap back then as well. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you know what? It's funny because I remember I worked in Comet for fifteen years. Before I went into a marketing company at 31, and when I look back at some of the stuff we used to sell, we used to sell like, do you remember scart cables before HDMI? Of course, of course we do. Um, we used to sell scart cables for like 80, 90 pound a pop. Monster cables, Do you remember? Do you ever heard of monster cable? And we so and we were targeted. Mark,
0: the price market would be would be higher on the gold. Yeah ones rather than the
1: silver looking ones. Yeah, the the, cra- the it was crazy money. And then we used to sell these monster eight way um, surge protector. They were called Monster Power. They were like a hundred and forty pound a pop, and someone was buying like a five hundred pound TV in the early days of like LCD and plasma. And you'd bring you'd sit them down at this desk, and you'd bring over this hundred and forty pound, basically glorified extension lead. <laughs> when I look back on it, I sold tons of these things, and when I look back on it now, I think, why the fuck was someone buying hundred and forty pounds worth of extension cable? They were so overpriced, it was ridiculous.
0: I when, when I was twenty one, I came into an, an inheritance, not about, about thirty grand, I think it was. Thir, uh, yeah, about 30, uh, No, no, it was forty nine thousand uh, Canadian dollars, which was the equivalent of about twenty eight grand something like that. And the first thing I went to buy, and this was at the when the ball ring had just opened in, in Birmingham, and they have got the John Lewis. Yeah. Um, at the top, and I went and I brought a flat screen. It was a flat screen TV. It was for five grand. <gasps> but it was the one with the big big back to it as well. Oh, the projectors. Well, it, no, it was no, it was, it was the old style TV. CRT. But the, yeah, but the flat with a flat screen on it. it. was one of the first flat screens. Yeah. That speakers on the on the surround oh, yeah. all that sort of stuff it was the dog's balls um the only problem was it was too heavy for one man to carry yeah. so i had to pay for delivery and and they asked if i wanted the, the obviously the scar cables and all yeah. that sort of stuff so this five grand tv ended, ended up with delivery costing me just under five and a half grand a <laughs> look back now i've got a sky glass now which is twice the size about the same weight twice the size twice as good everything that and it and, What's
1: the equivalent of that? That's 60 quid a month. Yeah. It's
0: crazy, mate. Absolutely ridiculous.
1: Honestly, I could do a whole podcast on the crap we used to sell in Comet 20 years ago. It was, uh, uh, yeah. Because I started at 16 in 96 and we were still selling, Philips did a TV that was in like a mahogany case and it was ridiculously expensive. It was like a feature end product, crazy expensive. And it had it was all built in, and it was it was only about it was probably about a twenty five inch screen. It wasn't even big. My my computer monitor is bigger than that. And this thing weighed a ton. Um, and we didn't sell many, but um, yeah. Any, anyway,
0: you have the big box remote control. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Had all that, and then you had the combination, the little fourteen inch combi TV and VCRs they used to fly out at christmas
0: i tell you what they, they were perfect if if the only problem was if you're trying to watch a bit of blue they were really fucking noisy when you're recording the video when you was re- rewinding the video <laughs> Hey, really noisy. i was gonna <laughs>
1: i've got to tell this story one of my oldest friends i used to go we used to be really really close mates in school we still we still are now but i used to go to his house regularly um after school or whatever and he lived in a a townhouse so his bedroom was right at the top and he and he had one of those combis and he was a dirty fucker he really was he had porn permanently in this machine it never came out and one day it's monster soldier soldier or something Yeah. (laughs) yeah I mean we was only about 14 and um 14, 15 and one day he came home um and it wasn't in his room. And the, the whole thing had gone. The whole combi. And he went down to his mum and said, Mum, where's my TV? <laughs> and she said, Oh, i have giving it away. We're going to buy you a new one. It's quite old. <laughs> and he still had the, the video in it. <laughs> he was more annoyed that he'd lost the porno than he was that he'd lost the TV. Oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Anyway, we, we massively digress. Um... But we had to bring some light to the to the conversation, didn't we? I bet that wasn't one of your questions, was it? No, no, that that definitely wasn't one of my questions. So, JJB's selling sprays. Um, where did where did that lead to? Because at this stage, I I don't know what age you were when you went self employed. So, between JJB's and becoming self employed, was there anything in between? And if there was. Tell us a little bit about your experiences with management, how good experiences, bad experiences, and how you you kind of, how, how you reacted and dealt with that.
0: Um, right, pin your ears back then, because I, I was a bit of a job hopper. Um, so when I left JDB, JDB, JDB um, was offered a contract with Nottingham, ended up uh, breaking my neck and contract being withdrawn, because um, obviously you can't play rugby with a wow. broken neck um that was this was all before i was 19 um so at the end of finishing my um b-tech in drama so 17 to 18 um i didn't really know what i wanted to do played rugby for nottingham until broke my neck and then it was a, a chance encounter with um my old physio at nottingham rugby club and we're on a night out and he says what are you doing nowadays and i was like working in weather spoons that's what i was doing at the time um as as a as a bar team leader by the way i wasn't just obviously i was a second player (laughs) um the uh chanson county says have have you thought about getting back into rugby and says well you know you know i can't get insurance to pay for any club or or a a decent club he says well what about going into the services uh said so, you know you can join the army join the navy they've got they've got decent rugby teams um or join the fire, fire brigade or the police and that again they've got access to that um and that night i was like that's a good idea i'm gonna go apply for them or like a twat um <laughs> so I literally downloaded the army application form the navy application form looked, looked online to see what police forces were hiring there's west mids nottingham and derby um downloaded their application forms nottinghamshire fire and rescue downloaded theirs and derbyshire fire and rescue because we were quite close to derby um and then spent the next couple of days filling out these application forms um and set, literally sent every one of them back um the army one i didn't even get a reply so i either fucked it up too bad or there was like <laughs> not a chance um navy invited me for an interview um and the west mids police Derbyshire Police, uh, Nottinghamshire didn't, uh, and Nottinghamshire Fire and Rescue all invited me for, to get through the paper sift to the next round. Um, and over the next eight months, I did the application. I dropped the, the Navy, didn't fancy the idea of being on a boat all the time, um, and stuck to going to either Nottinghamshire Fire and Rescue or what turned out to be West Midlands Police. And, and I got through the selection process of both um and i can remember exactly I, I just finished the final interview at west Mids police um the final fitness sorry and at the end of the fitness test they give you your collar number because that, that, that's like you you know you are now you're essentially you're going to be a copy you're going to be enrolled on this day so they gave me my collar number which is five eight hundred um and i had a decision to make am i going to go with Nottingham fire and rescue i'm not going to go with that and the the only reason i went with the police was um, I had a, a, a phone call with somebody within about 20 minutes of walking out of Lloyd House where we did, the, uh, sorry, uh, Tally Ho, which was the Birmingham uh, West Midlands Police Training Centre. I got a phone call from a, uh, a chap who identified himself as being a, an inspector with West Midlands, um, congratulating me and asking me if I was available to play rugby um, in uh, next weekend. Oh, wow. I was like... Um, I can do um and that was it. That was a decision made um and I spent most of three years uh, so two thousand and just at the start two thousand and one, I joined west Midlands police um I'd played rugby for them for three months before I officially joined um and became a a, a police officer and did that for three years um played more rugby than I did for police people um. <laughs> I, did, I, I, I was I a was taxpayer's nightmare. I did fuck all on the streets, but played a lot of rugby. Um, uh, I'd like to say it was my moral compass that said, no, I need to, I need to obviously give back to the community. But I, I was a shit copper, if I'm being brutally honest. I wasn't very good at being told what to do, believe it or not. Um, and three years later, sort of jacked it in um, and uh, went back to being a weatherspoons employee no, I was, I, I went on a fast track actually and, and became a, a, a licensee of Boldmere, uh, sorry, the Boldbridge, which is the, the pub in Tamworth. That's where I met Kayleigh and, and mm. the rest in that side of my life is history, but uh, I stayed with Weatherspoons for a while. What did I do after Weatherspoons? Weatherspoons went into a security firm. I got head-hunted for a security firm um, because of the police background um, and we set up the, uh, there's uh, a, a what's the big delivery company, not DHL, the American.
1: Oh, um, UPS, brand,
0: brand, UPS, that's it. So the UPS hub in, in which is in Dordan, just outside of Tamworth. Um, we ended up, we created their security while that, that was being built. Um, and I was doing about 80 to 86 hours a week, driving up and down and, and managing that and ended up having a bit of an accident fell asleep on a hill basically and rolled back into somebody else um rang up the gaffer say look i've, I've had an accident it's because i'm absolutely shattered because i've been look at the hours and i went oh okay you go home not a problem get some rest um and then i received my uh, sacking papers the next day just got rid of me like that
2: oh my god
0: yeah so uh didn't know really what to do um was a little bit Screwed over with that—that—that that, that, that had happened. We'd got a, um, a one-year-old. She was what? One, yeah, one-year-old Millie. Um, we're living in a flat. We're living off um, home bake. What are they called home bake or whatever they called um, pasta and sauce dishes. You know, you could you can spread out spread you know four of those over the week for the two of you. Quite good. You know, living on about thirty quid a week it was great. If not. Um, and then uh, I saw a TV advert on TV um, at late at night, one night, I don't know what I was doing up at silly o'clock, but there was an, a, an advert and it was about a government scheme to retrain people to get into computer and into IT. Um, if you went on this, this course, if you was accepted for this residential, you would um, have a guaranteed job at the end of it. I thought, fuck it, did what I did when, uh, when, when yeah. I was doing the applications before. Rang the phone number on the TV. There, um, they sent an application pack out. I got accepted, and the job at the end of that six-week residential was working at ESOS, which was the IT arm of Pertent. Right. That was my introduction into corporate life. And wow, yeah, was kind of history from then on in, really.
1: I obviously we'll go on to your, I guess, entrepreneurial life and and where that began in a minute, but. I Kind of want to take go right back to the beginning of that story. You mentioned that even before you were 19, you broke your neck playing rugby. Um, it's which
0: fractured. I keep saying broke, but Mazak says well, it wasn't broke, it was fractured.
1: It's, it's still very scary. Um, it what for a lot of people that might have put them off for life, um, but I guess. You it certainly didn't for you. What was it that kind of made you think, yes, that could have been life-ending if it had been slightly worse or in a slightly different place or whatever, but fuck it, I still really want to play rugby?
2: Stupidity, to be very <laughs>
0: honest. No, 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 no dicking around there. It was me being a knot. Um, the, the break, it was my C2 and my C3, and it's a fracture that ran down both of them. Um, so the slight compression, and it was a fracture. It wasn't. It was deemed as a as a, as a, as a low impact injury. Mm. It was a scrum collapse. So it wasn't trauma induced. It w- it was pressure induced. Um, it, I could have probably withdrawn a lot more pressure, and I could probably have broken it or, or fractured it worse. But it was it was a low scale broken neck. So when, if when I mentioned the word you know, mm. fractured neck, mm. a lot of people go, "Oh my god!" that And it, it wasn't as you know, I, I, I had tingling down my feet for a period of time. Um, they, they gave me a wheelchair, which I never used. Um, I had neck braces, which I very rarely used to be, because I felt fine. I felt mm. absolutely fine. And, and mm. looking back now, if Sack had done that, I would wrap him up in cling film, in, mm. in, in, in um, bubble wrap. Mm. Um, but at the time, it, it was um, – I I, if I'm being honest, I was more annoyed that my route to what I thought would be fame had been cut short.
2: Mm.
0: So I thought I'd be, you know, you know contract with a lower league club. Then you start to progress. You get, you know, more contracts, and before long you're at Twickenham, you know, mm. um, beating the Irish. It would be hopefully, mm. um, but so that that was the annoying thing was that I felt that that bit had been taken away from me. But it wasn't because I was injured. It was because the club dropped me. Mm. So I had a lot of, and 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 you know, I was a lot of uh, self doubt, self hate at that point. Um, but part of me knew that I could still play. And I, don't get me wrong, I, I, I don't play anywhere near as much now. What, how old am I? 40 now. So that's 30, 34 years of, of playing rugby on and off. Now I'd rather do 10 minutes than have a bottle of, of port as, as medicine <laughs> afterwards.
2: Um, but at
0: the time, it, yeah, it was rather daunting. I think the the, the bit that, again, I've had therapy since to sort of, mm-hmm you know, bring these memories back. One of the over- overwhelming memories at the, at the time was um, feeling that I didn't have any other options left for me. Mm. Um, because I, again, as, as parents, we always say, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, you can do this, you can do that. And, and I'd, I'd got a B-Tech in drama. What fucking jo- job was that going to get me? <laughs> gonna go walk into WPP and get get a marketing role with with drama as my only qualification um it it felt like all the decisions that and the worst thing was I've got a picture of my mum in the background she never would have said it but of her going I told you you needed to study something else Mm. that's the thing that I had going and she never she never did say it but that it was that she was right thing and no one likes telling you know knowing that their parents were right Mm. Um, but it is what it is. Um, would I have liked to have been a professional rugby player and, and and made a career out of it? Damn, fucking straight, I would. Wasn't meant to be.
1: No. What do you say to, to people that, because there's two sides on, on LinkedIn and our, our mutual connection, James Clutterbuck, will go on the attack whenever he sees this. Yeah when people sort of say you know school isn't everything exam results aren't everything if you really want something enough you'll go and get it um and while there is i guess some truth in that i i still believe that like you've just uh, said there about you you for a long period you felt you had no other option and it, and it kind of brought you down mentally and and it left you kind of really feeling quite vulnerable you were fortunate enough to Pull yourself together, I guess, if that for want of a better phrase, and make something of your life. But I, I think there's a lot of people that in that situation where they feel like their only option has been taken away, because they didn't perhaps do so well at score or have a plan B, that wouldn't have been so lucky.
0: I I I like to think that my overnight success, which it was overnight, it was just over over twenty-five years mm. of being overnight success is, is down to being resilient um i've i've had some very very dark moments in my life i've I've tried to catch a train with my face before and it didn't work obviously although you might not tell um, <laughs> uh, so i i've been to, to you know to the real dark path that, and and back and i say the biggest thing that i've probably got from it is is the resilience side of stuff i, I do now as, as a 40 something or 40 year old know that Regardless of the situation, there's always going to be something that you can do about it, mm. even, even if it doesn't feel like it's a positive. So, you know, faced face with not having any real prospects and thinking, oh, well, I've, you, know, I've got, you know, I've got a choice. Could I go back to school? Could I go back to university? You know, go and go back to school, get some qualifications, go to, go to university and go that way. That option wasn't really available. We couldn't afford it. There's no way I could afford to go to university. Um, could I go and work somewhere, work my way up? And that's that's what the Weatherspoons thing was. Mm-hmm. That's why I went on the, the, the management course, thinking that that you know, at least I'm gonna be paid something and, and do something with my life at the time. Now I, I, that wasn't the right decision for me. Um, and, and you know, credit to anybody who thinks that, that working in a pub is, is a fantastic career choice when you're that young. That just look at the retention rates of of, of chains like weatherspoons till you realise no, you are a stock gap. Yeah. You will be treated like a stock gap. There's only very few that make it to management, and there's very, very few that make it out of pub management into, into business management, i.e., the, you know, the upper sort of level of Wetherspoons. So, the, the resilient part, and I'm not blowing my own trumpet, I, there's been points where i sat there with like two quid in my account thinking, I'm fucked right now. Mm. But something has always presented itself, something has always happened, and the only consistent in that is me. So that that you know, you've got to sort of take some benefit or some positivity from that. Mm.
2: If
0: you'd have asked me this two or three years ago when I was in a proper downward spiral, then I wouldn't be telling you that the positive was me in those sort of situations. Mm. I'd be telling you that there's a you know there's no coincidence that every time I fuck up, I'm at the centre of it. Mm. So mindset is a is a massive part of it as well. Mm. But for anyone who's saying, oh, does it doesn't matter if you didn't get any any decent grades? Look at how well I'm doing it. They're doing, they're saying that with the benefit of hindsight
2: Mm.
0: and the benefit of having some cash behind them. Nobody who is sat putting, you know, on benefits, putting quids together to try and feed their kids is ever going to sit there and go, damn it. I I really wish I didn't do that education.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: So, you know, it's yes, education is important. Life experience is probably even more important. But don't ditch the education just because some twat of a guru online says, oh, you don't need be in that. Yeah, They might not need it. You might need it. I,
1: I think some people, you said there about, oh, if, I, if I had the money, I maybe I'd have gone back to school or college or university. I think possibly for you, and I, I was never a great learner. The school system although i did okay you know i took my gcses and i think i got straight c's which back in the day was all right that's what you needed yeah um got into i went to art college for a couple of years Fucked about there and literally went shopping more than i actually did any work um but i i guess i would challenge that no matter how much you want something sometimes I'm a big believer that sometimes you're just not built that way. And what I mean by that is, even with all the best will in the world, you thought to yourself, I've got no qualifications, no prospects. I need to go back to school and get some. Even at 20, 21, 22, you might have gone back to school and gone, but I'm just not built for sitting here listening to this. I need to learn on my own time frame. And if that means going through some pain, then I've got to go through some pain.
0: Yeah. The the, the benefit of hindsight means that we, we get to... Evaluate the decisions that we make. Mm. We don't get that benefit when we're having to make the decision at the time, and and it's nice to be able to to try and reason as to why we made a decision once we've made it. But you can't second guess yourself when you're making it. Mm. So that you know, it, it could well be that I might have gone to school and something might have triggered in me, and I could be a professor at Cambridge University right now. The idea of that to me right now is mm. is vomit inducing personally <laughs> but uh, the, you know we, we don't know the path we've not gone on the the whole bollocks or rhetoric that we see from online gurus or people that are trying to influence people it, influence for me is, is something that, that i've got a real problem with as well but we'll talk about that in a bit but those people that have a drive to want to influence people they don't i, I cannot and will not accept that somebody's purpose to want to influence is anything other than personal. It is not, I want to make the world a better place. I want to give back. That bollocks. Unless you're a proper philanthropist, which I can't say that word very well, <laughs> and you are dishing out millions of dollars for the sake of dishing out millions of dollars or whatever it might be, this still probably, it's, it's, it's the Friends episode where Phoebe can't give a, do a good deed yeah. without it coming back to some sort of self-gratification. And that's, the, the, you know, these online ones, particularly on LinkedIn, they're selling the virtues of, of their advice. That advice is based purely on trying to get more numbers to get into their fields, their funnels, to sell more shit. Mm-hmm. This, this idea of giving something back. I, I did it, what, three, four years ago. I did um, every, every Friday for a couple of months. We gave pizzas away. Uh, we asked people on the Thursday to nominate somebody in their network who they, they thought fancied a pizza. And we would buy them a pizza, send it to them, thanking them on behalf of this person who's nominated them um and that had got fuck all to do with me wanting to give back that was good pr that's mm-hmm. what that was the, the 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 crap that um what's the bird that's was a lady from cloud called um Cord- cordell amelia cordell or something like that oh right yeah she did the post about the, the free starbucks i've loaded as much as i can on, on my starbucks card 50 quid Woo. um doesn't tell you that and and here I, it's my my extensive network you can have a coffee on me because i just want to give back no you're pulling a pr stunt yeah. paint it for what it is that bullshit about that you want to be nice at that no, it's got nothing to do with that whatsoever it's how how can i get engagement for my brand
1: it baffles me how many people um don't see that
0: it's because we're, we're conditioned to see things and and see things in in a way that is positive people will, will say oh chris you're just a cynic if that's what you want to label it i'm a cynic but what i what i also don't like is people that that are fake and mm-hmm. and, and, and amelia and that, that 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 stunt if she's presenting that in any other way other than this is a pr thing for my brand it's fake. This um, 200 best LinkedIn.
1: Oh my God. That triggered me yesterday.
0: That is 100% engagement. That is all that's done. That's got nothing to do. I mean, out, out can't just logically think about this for a second. 862 million active accounts. I think LinkedIn are just about to release the next number, which will be, it'll be 680 odd million, something like that. How can you go from that number? To 200 people in a report, you have not put every single account on LinkedIn through the demographical or whatever it is, the, 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 how you've got to those numbers. It's a popularity, popularity contest based on how many of these top influencers, inverted comma, can we get to comment on our piece of document. And you know what? We're going to put that document on our company page. We're going to encourage people to follow the company page. We're going to put it also onto our website so we can drive people to our website. It's an engagement tool. Yeah, everybody bends over backwards, butters up the butt cheeks, lubes themselves up, ready for them to be shafted. And mm. uh, it just and it angers me that people are so blasé about things that are being presented to them that mm. are, are geared perfect. I did the post the one yesterday um, of the the woman who said height was a choice It's from a satirical uh, satirical post on on um, on TikTok. And I posted that. I think say, I saw
1: that. And I normally it, see all of yours.
0: Um, it, it, it got trolled a little bit by one particular woman saying, how dare you call this woman an idiot? She's just, this is a parody. You know, you should do your own research, that sort of stuff. And it's like, if, if you'd have known an ounce or done an ounce of your own research, you'd have known that I'm probably sharing this because of the satire rather yeah. than that. So that was purely engagement piece. I know people would be reacted by this girl saying, well, firstly, height is a choice. Fuck off! Is
2: it? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, really
0: we know that's going to happen. I did one um, a few months ago, and it was again another another girl who um, said she didn't want to get a tattoo because she didn't want her babies to have a tattoo when they were born. It's again, that. she she's a, she's a, a satirist satirist or whatever you want to call them. But me sharing that and making a comment, going, "Oh my god, don't let her breed," bringing the joke on a little bit further. That's done three hundred thousand on TikTok, and it did hundred thousand or something on, on um on linkedin it's engagement it's yeah. getting people to see my comment and people following me i know the rules that's what we're doing and i don't hide behind the fact that i'm you know trying to be some sort of fucking demigod or something you got me on a rant then i've just realized as it I was just it, was, sense, it that, was a I good
1: was it was a good rant though because it, it leads us really nicely and by the way the 200 thing Jesus Christ, that triggered me yesterday. That really fucked me off. Because I went and looked through the list. And then I read the criteria of how you make the list. And I was like, you get like extra butt-kissing points for posts that do 500 likes or more. Extra, slightly less butt-kissing points for posts that do 200 likes or more. Right? And then you lose points for posts that do 50 likes or less. And I'm like, okay, so basically, this just rewards people that play the system. That just post...
0: Engagement groups. Yeah. uh, Posting. uh, This one guy, and I can't remember his name now, um, and he's always in the top... And literally, all he does is find something that is is incredibly viral in other platforms, post it on LinkedIn, and then puts words like, agree, or you shouldn't be able to have to do this, or... there's been no thought process in him being a content creator other than stealing other people's content or using other people's content for his own good. Now, I, I do that, but I'm certainly not trying to be some sort of flipping demigod out of it as well. And the comments of them all back slapping each other and, oh, oh I'm, I'm so proud to make this list. Oh, fuck off. Sorry.
1: <sighs> it, yeah, it really did trigger me, mate. And it, it's not really a surprise that you and I are on it. Um, uh, that leads us nicely into your recent shift Um, like I said earlier on when I first came on three years ish ago you were you were kind of in that realm of yourself Jen Bevan Gemma Connell James Austin four people that kind of I latched onto really quickly don't know why probably just because you were very active and, and kind of um uh, you know, I just kind of latched on, and and I was following you from day one, and then just followed ever since. Really, all four of you, and but in recent weeks, months, you've gone on a bit of a, a pivot. Why is that, and 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 what and what motivated that?
0: So, smack bang in the middle of the of the handout. Well, first the. the was it the I can't remember the date in March when Boris announced that we're going into lockdown? When that happened, my inbox exploded, and we lost 33, 32 of the thirty-four clients that we got overnight. Um, and my butthole puckered up big style because they, we we just do rolling contracts. We don't tie people in for a period of time um, purely because I don't like being in those sort of contracts. Why would I make sure that I clients and that sort of thing. So butthole was puckering up. People weren't necessarily spending on their marketing, which was the thought process. Um, well, that was the excuse I was being given. We, we're cutting budgets, everything's slashing until we know what's happening. Now, when it was announced a couple of weeks later, or I think a week later, furlough came in and the furlough payments were starting to be made and things like that, businesses breathed a, 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 you know, a breath of relief. And some of those thirty-four came back. Not many. But I think six or seven. So I said, you know what? We're going to keep at least some sort of content going. Can we carry on doing that? So we, that that was, you know, that was okay. Um, we weren't spending much, so we didn't need to be too profitable in any way, shape, or form. We just needed to wipe our asses with, with, with what we're doing. And we were doing. Now at that time as well, I'd taken on two clients as as mental as, as a mentor. Um, and the, the idea being that I was going to handhold them learning LinkedIn themselves rather than doing it for you, because that's how we, we used to, we just used to do an agency that did it all for you, essentially. So that handholding process actually got better results. It was a much nicer process to be involved with, to be able to mentor somebody on, I say LinkedIn, but on their digital footprint mm-hmm. more of the thing, LinkedIn being the most predominant mm-hmm. part. Um. And those two clients, they they went on to do it exceptionally well. Um, you mentioned about your you know your client buying a, um, a McLaren. M- mine fucked off and decided to live in Peru, um, um, and uh, and it's, it's been traveling ever since. Um, and he works maybe three months of the year, so he you know nice. he's built a lifestyle business, which is fantastic for him. Um, that gave me the impetus to actually well if we if we don't have as many written content clients so people that we write for or people that we manage and we perhaps have a couple of of, of of mentoring ones each month that balances that 30 or that we lost that brings it back up because the amount we were charging compared to the amount charging for that was, was significantly different so we uh or i decided that that, that was the route to go so we've been mentor or i've been mentoring for the past three years Um, clients on the side, not just on LinkedIn, but their entire business output, what the business looks like, what the digital footprints look like, what it takes to go from step one, step two, how to set, set the goals in place and everything that's in between. Um, I've become over the past year, yeah, about a year, very disillusioned with the industry, particularly the the LinkedIn marketing Mm -hmm. side of it, um, certain people or quite a few people using my resources, my training, my, that sort of stuff, going on and doing absolutely well in doing what I now do, mm. rather than what the, what the original skill was taught for. I.e., you know, they wanted to promote their business, or and actually they see how easy it is to make money on LinkedIn, and become a LinkedIn coach. So we saw an abundance of that, and that to the, at the start didn't really bother me because it was my input that had helped them do that, and they're being successful that's what a mentor wants to do that's or that's what you know you, you want to do as a coach or a trainer or whatever it might be but the more and more of that that happened and at the same time the more bullshit that was being produced by people within my sector and i'm talking specifically linkedin marketing here um and and the and the the, the little clique groups so there's a there's a clique of uh linkedin coaches that are all in a group together and they all discuss um, new changes and things like that, but they also have a little slangy match mm. about what I'm writing or what Mike its writing or that sort of stuff, the, the outliers of, of, of LinkedIn, if you like. Um, and and it's, it's annoying to see that there's a group of people that have got their heads so far stuck up their own arses thinking they rule the world. Um, and that's tarnishing the entire industry. Mm. Yet they're convincing so many people that, that their rhetoric is, is the right rhetoric to follow, mm. and it, it's come to a point where I don't want to argue with them anymore. Mm. There's people like um, uh, Richard van der Blum, I think, or whatever his name is, he did this massive research piece where he came up with a synopsis of why you should do a certain thing when writing, uh, with, with, with producing hashtags. Um, and it's, you know that the out of his research, five hashtags on a post is the optimum. Well, that's a load of bollocks. I don't care what your research says because LinkedIn only index three, they tell you it themselves. Oh. So what's the fucking point you putting another two? It has no meaning, no, no value to your post whatsoever. Yet yeah, He's done a research piece that says that LinkedIn users suggest that five is the optimum out of his 200 strong resource pool. And then it's, it's, and that information is being spread as if it's gospel. And now people are writing five. And, and it's, it's petty. It's incredibly petty for me to go, but no, that's wrong. Mm. But if nobody challenges wrong information, wrong information becomes the gospel.
2: Mm.
0: And it's little things like that, which I mean, you know what? It, it's no point in me fighting because they, they've got their heads so far stuck up their own arse. They can't see anything around them. Mm. They, they're not even willing to, to discuss that, what their results are. That actually might differ. 860-odd million accounts. How can you make an assumption based on 200 compared to all of that That It's fucking ridiculous that people would even think that is, is a decent piece of research. Yeah. And and you call it out, you get shot down because their little pod all starts talking. And says, oh, well, he's done really, really well to put this together. You should be praising the fact... Well, it's fucking wrong. Why would I praise him if it's wrong, for fuck's sake?
1: <laughs> I think... It- <coughs> in danger we were probably in danger of another rant Um and we could probably do like a part two sadly we can't Um or, well we can do a part two but sadly we can't continue going on on another rant for another hour because I could back up your rant with my own rant however we we haven't got time to go on ranting
0: Um I think there's a podcast in that
1: <laughs> there is a podcast in that absolutely um Chris, this, is, this has actually been uh, now the longest podcast on record. Um, probably thanks to mixture of ranting and us doing like a live parcel opening, which now you need to go and figure out where that's come from.
0: Yeah, I could do with finding that. It would, it would yeah,
1: find there's definitely, definitely a post in that. Um, it's been a huge pleasure. I know we had you on the live recently, which Odessa and I still maintain was the best live we've ever done. Um for me, that was a an hour spent really kind of understanding a little bit more about us and what we need to try and achieve with what we're doing, because we don't just want to be like everyone else. We we didn't start it for that reason. We want it to evolve into more than, than it is now. Um, and obviously, we started selling hoodies um, and giving money to charity. And the brand was always meant to evolve into something that would pay the mortgage. But where that ends, no one knows. Um, and, and like I said, this has been the longest one on record because I just think there's just so much to talk about. And uh, and it really has been a, an absolute pleasure. And I think people will get a hell of a lot from this episode, mate. So thank you very much for your time. It's a
2: total pleasure.
1: Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to arrange part two.